Tonight we get back to the subject of prayer. The subject is praying in the will of God. And there's nothing that will help your prayer life more than praying in the will of God. So this is a very vital part of this series. And then we're going to have a prayer meeting. We've been having some wonderful prayer meetings. And what I've been blessed to see is children down here praying, young people praying with their families. And uh, that's the best way to train them, get them right in on it. And don't, don't pamper them by keeping them at home. Get them to church. Uh, they'll never grow in God being pampered. They will grow when they're challenged and discipled. And uh, Sunday night's a great opportunity to do that. And by the way, the first Sunday of September isn't very far off. Do you remember about the change in schedule? If you come to the 11 o'clock service regularly, you will need to be here for the 10.30 service, the 1st of September, or you're going to miss it. Because it's 9 and 10.30, the 1st of September. And also on that day, which is Labor Day Sunday, we're going to let you go home after church and do whatever you do, have the kids have a nap, and then we're going to have out in our athletic complex a four o'clock picnic for the whole church, ball games, games for kids, uh, have a, our devotional is going to end the day out there. We're not going to have service in here. We're going to be outside from four until whenever we get done. So look forward to that. You get to change your clothes, come back casual. It'll be a lot of fun, and we'll have more to share with you about that. We haven't done that in ages. When the church got big, we figured, how can you do this kind of thing? So we just decided we were going to try it again on a holiday weekend, and uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So you, you be prepared. I was just sitting up here looking out at a lot of you, that I wish I had time just to sit down and tell you how much I love you and appreciate you and what a blessing you are to me. That is something I would just love to have the opportunity to do. Because there aren't enough hours in the day, I guess I have to tell you now. Is that okay? Will you take it personally, all of you? If I just tell you I love you, appreciate you, pray for you, and thank God for the victories that are being won, and if yours hasn't come yet, it's about to come. So hang in there and don't give up. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, our subject this morning is the cross. We are in a series from A to Z, and we're in the seas. By the way, the subject, the church and the state went out this week on tape with a letter to all of our congressmen, to our president, to all of our legislators here in the state and our governor. And when you think about that, pray that God will use that. It has the potential to be used greatly. The accomplishments of the cross. One of the great statements of Scripture is the one that Paul made in Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I 
to the world. What a statement. In the Phillips translation of the New Testament, it simply says, the world is a dead thing to me, and I am dead to the world. Are you there? The world is a dead thing to me, and I am dead to the world. That's one of the most remarkable statements in all of the Bible. And it's because of the accomplishments of the cross in Paul's life that he could say that. I believe this is one of the most important truths in all of Scripture for us to grasp in order to have a victorious, ongoing, happy Christian life, productive Christian life, to discover what the cross has done for us. If Paul could say, the world is a dead thing to me and I am dead to the world, then we need to get this into our spirits. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, the scripture we read, Paul said that the cross is the power of God. Just make a note of that. The cross is the power of God. Isaiah prophesied in chapter 60 in verse 2, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. And John said that the Son of God came as a light into that darkness. But in John 1, 5, the darkness comprehended it not. That led to his crucifixion. And when darkness engulfed him, there came from his lips an anointed word. It is what this message is based on today. We call it one of the seven last words. It is this. It is finished. Out of his lips came that utterance before his chin fell to his chest in death. It is finished. We need to comprehend what that means. Paul discovered it. Paul comprehended it. But it seems to be something that we have overlooked. How could he say that the cross was the very power of God? Something was accomplished that needs to be uncovered and grasped. And I pray that it will be today. I want to break this down into three simple things. There are many other things that could be said, but I can't take the time today to do it. So I have had to, in my preparation, boil this down to where I believe the rubber meets the road. If you can grasp these three things, I think everything else will eventually slip into place. The accomplishments of the cross. First of all, the devil's power was finished. The devil's power was finished. Now, there's a lot of emphasis around today on the devil. And one of my friends, Peretti, Assembly of God layman, has written books on this present darkness and so on. And 
and their fiction, but it's based on his understanding of the works of the enemy in our time. And, and it's a very profitable thing that he's done, but the danger is what I want to tell you from this pulpit today. If you don't have a grasp on the cross, those things can be dangerous to you because your focus gets turned around. And there are too many people who are more proficient talking about the devil than they are about the cross. The devil was finished at the cross. His power was broken at the cross. You say, give me a biblical verse, all right? Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That ought to be conclusive enough. He disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Hallelujah. The devil's power was finished. Now let me try to give you a theological walk through what happened very, very quickly. In Ephesians 4, verse number 9, Paul said that after the death of Jesus, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Ephesians 4, 9. I've had people argue with me on this point that where did you ever come up with this idea that Jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth? Well, Paul, under the revelation of the Spirit, said so. After the death of Jesus, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And Peter said in 1 Peter 3.19 that he preached to the spirits in prison. That's what he did. Sometime between his death and his resurrection, in that three-day period, he went down into the depths of the earth and he preached there to the spirits in prison. Now follow me carefully. He declared there the fulfillment of God's promise of redemption to those in Abraham's bosom. Now, where was Abraham's bosom? Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, speaks of a rich man who died and went to hell, and he was in torment, but he saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. Separated by a chasm was Abraham's bosom, where those who died in the faith in the old covenant were taken in view of Hades, but separated from Hades. And it was there that the rich man from hell saw Lazarus the beggar in Abraham's bosom, happy and joyful. And into the lower parts of the earth, Jesus went to preach the fulfillment of God's promise of redemption. I can imagine that meeting in my mind when Jesus Christ appeared with signs of death and suffering. And he told those under the old covenant who were used to a sacrificial system, 
It's over. I have given my life and shed my blood for the redemption of the whole world. I can hear them sing, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. From that place, there was a shout of victory because the Son of God had taken the sinner's place and there would need be never again another sacrifice for the sinner to be made. Once and for all, he was that sacrifice. And then... He looked across the chasm and confirmed the judgment of God to those in torment, reminding them that justice would be served. He would make sure that justice would be served to all who die outside of the faith. And they had no argument. They had no answer to this one who came into the lower regions of the earth. Now Luke 23 will help us with the next step. On the cross, Jesus said to a thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Now what did the Lord do with those down there in Abraham's bosom who received his preaching and his declaration of deliverance? He freed them from that place and took them with him to paradise. So he said to the thief, when I get down there and I free those in Abram's bosom, you're going to join us in paradise. And it will be before this day is over. Hallelujah. He took them from down there and he put them up there and now we talk about heaven, a place of the redeemed and Abraham is there and Moses is there and all of those under the old covenant are there who had faith in God. Jesus took them there from the lower parts of the earth. But he did one more thing and you'll find that in the first chapter of the book of Revelation in the 18th verse. Oh, is it ever exciting. Hallelujah. We're going to go through the book of Revelation on Wednesday night starting this fall in our teaching. And I'll tell you, it's a marvelous book. In verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And listen, I have the keys of Hades and of death. Where did he get those keys? <laughs> I'll tell you where he got them, right down there at the gates. When he descended into the lower parts of the earth, he walked right up to the gates. And there was no argument. There was no battle. He simply said, in my thinking, Satan... Your day is over. 
I want these keys, and he snatched them out of his hand. They're no longer yours. I am, as of this moment, nullifying your hold over human destiny. You're no longer involved. I am the victor over you, devil. And he triumphantly says through John, I have those keys now. They're not down there. They're in my control. Hell and the grave. So why should we be giving the devil so much attention when he's a beat-up enemy? He's done for, and he knows it. Now, there is a... I was going to call it a doctrine. It's really an idea going around today that Jesus went down into hell and suffered there in hell for our sins. Now, that is the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard. He did not go down there to suffer. He went down there to conquer. He went down there to rid from your back the enemy that you're giving too much space to. He suffered on the cross and he beat up on the devil at the gates of hell and he nullified every effort of the devil in your life if you're committed to him and you're embracing the message of the cross. It has no effect on you now what the devil does because of what he did for you on that tree. Grasp it. He canceled the enemy's power. Secondly, not only was the devil finished, but condemnation was finished. I come to this pulpit regularly and preach my heart out to you, but I'm always aware of condemnation in this room. I know it's by the Spirit of God that I sense it. And so again today, I want to tell you that you do not need to live under condemnation. How can I get this through to you? Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now. What does that link to? It links to the cross. It links to the words. It is finished. You don't need to live under condemnation. I'm afraid to go to the altar because it's so sacred. I'm afraid to take communion because I don't want to eat and drink damnation to myself. You don't drink and eat damnation if you have received the grace of God that was offered to you from that cross. The devil is the condemner. 
Jesus is the victor. Live in his victory and there need be no condemnation. You can walk anywhere with the blood of Jesus over your life without condemnation of any kind. Hallelujah. I got an illustration on that the other day. Boy, my wife forgot to give me a handkerchief. Um, I was uh, looking at the mail and I broke out in a cold sweat when I saw Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> Those kind of envelopes do something to you. <laughs> you can be as square as it is, but there's something about that name that just... <laughs> and I opened it up and they said that I owed them so many dollars from last year's report. And I just couldn't understand that, so I read the thing through, and they, they listed an amount. And I, I sort of remembered that figure. So I went back and found my records, and sure enough, the check I sent them was the exact amount they said I owed them. And I quit sweating. <laughs> I went and got the canceled check. Sure enough, they had stamped it down there in Ogden, Utah, went through the bank, exact amount, they said I didn't pay them. Was I ever excited to stick that thing <laughs> in an envelope, <laughs> send that thing back, say I did too, <laughs> you turkey, I did too. I paid that bill, and I'm not gonna be condemned by the IRS. I paid my dues, and they're not going to get a dime interest. <laughs> I sent it in on time, and I sent the right amount. My tax man is here listening to me right now, so he knows. <laughs> that was my revelation of what I'm preaching to you right now. We put ourselves under condemnation, but when you look at the record, the bill is paid. We are fully covered in him. And we don't have to walk around like a bunch of beat up Olympic boxers. We're victorious. When Winston Churchill was being carried from the London airport after an accident abroad on a stretcher, there was a great crowd welcoming him back, their great hero, and he gave them the familiar V for victory sign. And they all shouted. And in the paper, the Manchester paper, it said, never has so complex a network of emotions been reduced to so commonplace a symbol as that. And I thought, that's what the cross is. It's a symbol to us. It stands for one thing, victory. We sang about it. So I cherish the old rugged cross. Why? It's a symbol to us of victory. We're out from under. We're on top, not underneath. 
in the war against sin, the struggle between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, the cross says no condemnation. Are you going to buy into that? I would recommend it. And condemnation was finished. Sin was dealt a crushing blow. John saw Jesus coming down the road and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. Takes it away. Hebrews 9.26 says that Christ appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Put it away. Then why are we condemned? Well, I've got too much evidence. What's your evidence? Well, what I did. Put it away. He came to put it away. Get rid of the evidence. Well, how do I do that? The blood of Christ, the cross. If you're under that, the evidence is gone. And nobody can convict you without evidence. Don't be like Ernest Bagley down in a Los Angeles courtroom. He had been brought in on the charge of gambling illegally. And he stood in front of the judge and he said, I'm innocent, judge. When suddenly they heard a tinkling on the floor and everybody looked down and saw two dice rolling down the floor. Stupid Bagley carried the dice in his hands, fumbling with them, playing with them, and he lost them. At the moment, he says, I'm innocent. And when the judge looked down at the dice rolling on the floor, Bagley looked back with his forsaken look and said, Judge, I change my plea to guilty. That's a fact in an L.A. court. Why in the world would Bagley want to bring the dice into the courtroom? Why do you carry your evidence around? If the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin, then don't take it into the courtroom. Don't be condemned. Christ gives you victory. Your sin found you out. Just as Numbers 32, 23 said it would, but you faced up to your sin, didn't you? You said, I'm a sinner. Jesus is a savior. He blots out my iniquity. Now I can say, there is no condemnation. Say it. No condemnation. Say it again. No condemnation. What does no mean? You're smart. Zero. It's gone. That no condemnation ruling goes into effect immediately. Stop living under it. You mean to tell me I'm as good as Billy Graham, Pastor? Yeah. You're as good as Paul. If you're under the blood. He said he put it away. It wasn't just for one man or a few men. It's for all men. Put it away. You've got to live there. Hold your head up. No condemnation. People may know what you used to be like, but you're... Not under that condemnation. Let them worry about it. You're now in Christ. And all of that's gone. The evidence has been removed. There's one more thing I've got to share with you. 
about the accomplishments of the cross, and that is the flesh was finished. We have the devil dealt with, we have condemnation dealt with, and we have the flesh dealt with. And I submit to you today that the flesh is perhaps the thing we struggle with the most. <laughs> Some of you spent a lot of time this morning before you came here dealing with the flesh. You just wanted it to look so good. And some of you got in the car and you used spittle, even, whether it was on yourself or some kid in your car, <laughs> to get just right for church. You didn't know how close you'd get to the pastor, so you wanted to look as good as you could. And why did you do that? Because the flesh is so important to us. It eats up a lot of our time just trying to take care of the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Genesis 6.12 starts this long history of the flesh. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Anybody live in that area at all? So you do not do the things that you wish. What is that? It's the flesh. You've got to get a stronger voice working in you than the voice of your flesh. You've got to put under the flesh. That's why Paul said, I have to die daily to the flesh. 1 John 2.16 speaks of the lust of the flesh. Romans 8.13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I'm happy to tell you that one of the accomplishments of the cross was that Jesus defeated your fleshly appetites there. You say, well, that I am not experiencing. Well, you can. It's by getting close to the cross. The closer you get to the cross, the less meaningful is the flesh. Do you want to know why the world is sunken into pornography? It's because they are so far away from the cross. The farther you move away from the cross, the more into the cesspool you go. But the closer you get to the cross and to see him who died there, the closer you get to victory over your flesh. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because it brings you in proximity with the cross. When I see Jesus in my mind, I have a hard time doing the wrong thing. When I see a cross there with him outstretched in love for me with blood dripping down and agony written all over his face, I have a hard time doing the wrong thing. But when I get away from that cross 
and I start listening to this stupid flesh of mine which has all kinds of desires and all kinds of, uh, of empathy for itself, I get into trouble, but I've got to run back to look into the face of him who is on that cross and I kneel there and I'm covered there by his blood and his love and I get healed there at the cross. The flesh loses its power. But there's always the possibility that it can rise up and choke me. So I've got to stay close to the cross. I was reading about a 500-pound bomb that was discovered on December the 3rd, 1968. A rusting 500-pound bomb of World War II found under the Pulaski Bridge which connects Greenpoint and Long Island City, New York. How it got there, nobody knows. A warehouse construction worker spotted it, and a bomb squad was called to remove the half-buried explosive device. It was still acting, activated. They had to defuse it. Been sitting there half-buried for who knows how long. I read the story further, and it was interesting that youngsters told about playing on the bomb for a long time. All over that neighborhood, kids told the police, well, yeah, we used to play on that. Is that what that is? A bomb? The assistant operator of the Pulaski draw span said it looked like a hunk of rusty metal. He said, I looked at that every day when I'd go up there to man the bridge. I saw that thing. I had no idea that it was a bomb. 500 pounds of explosive power with kids playing on it and a draw span, span bridge operator looking at it. You know, that's what the flesh is like. It's there with the potential of explosiveness every day you live. And the only way you're going to get victory is to allow the only one who can take the fuse out to come and do so, so that you don't get into trouble. And you walk by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. Now, there are probably ten other things I could tell you, but that's all the time I've got. The devil is defeated, condemnation is gone, and your flesh can be under the control of the cross. And I would declare to you that if we could just get those three things working, this church would experience something it has never, ever experienced before. So let's not worry about the other ten things right now. Let's just concentrate on these. The devil's power was finished. Condemnation was finished. The flesh was finished. What has the cross accomplished in your life? Jesus today wants to close down the areas of your life that are not under his control. He wants to shut them down. Will you let him? Years ago in San Antonio, Texas, two burlesque houses were shut down because their owners experienced conversion to Christ. The Green Gate Lounge and the Intimate Lounge. <laughs> the Green Gate Lounge was the first to go when Guy and Evelyn Linto were converted to Christ during a spring revival in their community. 
Then Tommy and Mitzi Thomas, who owned the Intimate Lounge, came away from a talk with the minister, vowing to close their club. Thomas went back to his place of business and placed a sign on the door which read, Intimate Lounge Closed, Condemned by God. I like that. Condemned by God. 2 Peter 1.4 says that we are made partakers of the divine nature. Wow. Everything else is condemned by God. Brought under the control of the cross. Hang a sign up. For the devil and everybody else to see. Condemned by God. Partakers of the divine nature now. The darkness is finished. Sin is finished. The wrath of God has been removed. The curse is lifted. The cross announces the end of our relationship with the devil, the end of our relationship with principalities and powers, our relationship to the world, our relationship to sin, our relationship to sickness and death. The word from the cross today is it is finished. It's done. The devil knows it. Now you understand it and live in it. And if you can grasp it, you will walk away from this church today singing in your soul at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now... Now I am happy all the day. What is the biggest problem with Christianity? Sourpusses. <laughs> People who don't know the joy of their Lord. Because they're under the power of the devil and the condemnation of their sin and under their weak flesh. But there was lifted on a hill outside the wall of Jerusalem a cross. And on that cross was the Son of God with holy blood in his veins. And it dripped down for your sin and mine. And he went down after he gave his last breath and ripped the keys out of the devil's hands. And we are more than conquerors. Not through our pedigree, not through our background, but through him who loved us and gave himself for us on that cross. That's where you get the light. That's where you see the victory that's really ours. Come with me to the cross. Dear Lord, take this word today and implant it in our hearts. Too many are living in defeat. Bring them into victory. Some are yet in darkness. Bring them into the light by the power of your Holy Spirit. Oh God, destroy the works of the enemy here. And may you be pleased with the results of this service as we come to the closing moments and come to the cross. While our heads are bowed, no one will leave now until we have 
sung our benediction. I want to know if you're ready to meet God. Have you been to that cross where Jesus died? What have you been waiting for? Forgiveness is there. Joy is there. Life is there. Eternity is there. I want to lead you to the cross. Could I pray for you? Sir, ma'am, young person, pastor by an upraised hand, I'm going to say I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus in my heart. I want to have the forgiveness of my sins. I raise my hand for prayer. Would you do it right now? Wherever you sit, hold it up high until I see it. Then you may put it down. Thank you. Right here in the middle, I see two hands right in front of me. Another one right there over to my left on the aisle. Thank you. Back there and over here in this section toward the front, I see a hand and over here in the far left-hand section, I see another. Hold them until I see them. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you there. Appreciate that. Up in the balcony, I see hands up in the right-hand side. God bless you up there. Good to know Jesus gets up into the balcony, touches people who are up there. And over here on the right, God bless you, young person. Thank you. Are there others? Yes, thank you on the left. Hallelujah. Sin's power broken by what happened on that cross. How would you live without him in any kind of victory? You've got to come and know that he conquered for you. Now, maybe you've asked Christ into your heart, but you would like to raise a hand and say, Pastor Cole, you touched on some things today that I need to get victory over. Maybe it's the flesh. Maybe you felt condemned. You don't need that anymore. Lift your hand and say, I, I want prayer. And I pray for myself, too. Yes, hands are going up all over this place. Victories in Jesus. Praise God. Father, break the shackles that bind. Set the captive free right now. Come, Lord Jesus, in forgiveness and in grace to every life. Hallelujah. We want to know you more. We want to love you more. We want to understand your cross in a greater way. So we come and we love you and thank you. Amen. Let us stand together. I want to open this altar as I have prepared for today. The altar became a strong focus for me. It was as though the Spirit of God was saying, don't only have them raise their hand, but have them come to the front. Because in moving out and coming, there will be a breaking of that tie. Whatever it is, sin, condemnation, the power of the devil, there will be a breaking of that tie as you step out. As Pastor Randy leads us in a song, you come. One of our prayer partners will pray with you, and there will be material for those of you who are receiving the Lord for the first time. You just come this way and let Jesus Christ minister to you as we sing from all over. So I'll cherish Hallelujah. the old rugged Thank you, cross Lord. till my trophies at last yes. I lay It's down. the cross that gives us the victory. Come from wherever you are. Come in Jesus' I name. I will cling Hallelujah. to Break the that thing. old rugged 
Break that thing in Jesus' name. Break it in Jesus' name. Break it in Jesus' name. And exchange Hallelujah. Sing it again. Some need to come. From wherever you are. And you need that touch. The touch of our Father. Come, let Jesus Christ manifest himself to you. Let his presence be real in your heart. Oh, he's here to break the hold of the enemy. Hallelujah. I will cling to the old cross. Thank you, Lord. Let hearts be raised in prayer and praise to you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. I want everybody to raise a hand and repeat after me this prayer, please. Dear Lord Jesus, I raise my hand to you because I'm needy. I want to sever today everything in my life that keeps me from the cross. I embrace the cross and it's total victory in my life. And I do it in Jesus' name. And now give him praise, give him thanks. Express to him your gratitude. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We break the yoke of sin. We break the powers of darkness, Lord. Now especially move in these that have come to the altar. Oh, God, bless them. Set them free. Deliver them in Jesus' name.